0: Hey everyone, welcome to Webcology here on WebmasterRadio.fm. It is the 12th of June, 2014. Uh, I think that means the year is actually officially half over, or just about half over. Kind of mind blowing. Um, Totally frightening. Friends, you listen to Webcology, WebmasterRadio.fm. This is Jim Hedger from Digital Always Media, joined as always by Dave Davies from Beanstalk SEO. We have an action packed show for you today. We have a 25 minute interview with um, Damien H or Dominic sorry Dominic H White, the director of a documentary to be released in a couple of days, disconnected. Following that, <laughs> it's, well, this is the day that the beautiful game begins. The World Cup opens in Brazil, in Brazil at 4 p.m. Eastern, one hour after we go off the air. And we thought, wow, what a good time to get like three soccer nuts together free uh, <laughs> football fan extraordinaire. We have from AOL, Simon Heseltine. From Internet Marketing Ninjas, Tom Craver. And from, actually, I'm going to have to ask him when he gets on Eric. I'm not sure where he is right now. But we also have Eric Lander I'm totally excited to have on closing segment we're just going to be talking about World Cup how to see the World Cup online, what the World Cup is how do you you drink out of the World Cup, what do you do with the World Cup when you win one, all that sort of stuff that's coming up um, again, second segment right now we're going to be talking about something that's happening right now in Seattle SMX Advanced is running Ross Dunn and John Carcott from SEO 101 are there gathering interviews and information for their show and uh, Dave that's that's just a few miles south of you Why, why aren't you there?
2: I I know, I know. It's just, uh, it just hits at one of these times where uh, I've got three trips coming up in in the next uh, month and a half. And um, it just, I wasn't able to do it. And it seems like such a waste. Like I can hop on a clipper, you'll know what those are quick, quick, fast ferry and be there in like 45 minutes right downtown. Like I've done day trips to that conference. (laughs) Uh, I just couldn't work it this year. Well, that's too bad. It looks like it's a great
0: conference. Um, there's been some amazing information coming out of the conference. Um, one of the you know one of the things that was announced at the conference was Bing is getting in on the right to be forgotten movement in order to comply with EU regulations. Bing must, o- Bing must also offer citizens of the EU the right to have material removed from Bing's index. Um, that's going to be more information released on that soon. Conference is young yet. There's a bunch more to come out. I don't uh, haven't actually seen a lot of. Uh, lot written from it, but I'm really looking forward to articles coming up in the uh, coming up next week. You know what I'll bet is being talked about there? What's Google that? my business. Google My Business. Your bi- beanstalk SEO. What am I gonna go Google your business for? I <laughs> can type it into the address <laughs> file.
2: Uh, announced uh, announced just yesterday. Um, and uh, you know what I, I, I really like this. Um, Google actually moved from the the typical um, Basically, they have created a unification for all your business, your business pages, your business uh, you know maps or places listing, um, and they're calling it Google My Business, um, and it's basically their their version of a business quote unquote directory. Obviously, they're you know not creating a directory here, um, and uh, you know what I, I like it for those who haven't you know go try and uh, you know whatever manage your uh, your um, you know Google all your business or, or whatnot. Um, yeah, for all that, in. it's it's. I actually quite like it. It takes a little bit of uh, you know getting used to, like all of a sudden there's a new interface. But as soon as you log in, it gives you access to your page, to your analytics, to insights. It's I, I quite like it. Uh, like as the first step in in their process here, um, and I look forward to what they're going to advance on. I like it. Now, I, another thing that's important about
0: Google My Business is, as, as you said at introducing it, it seems to be unifying a number of the business services that Google offered, many of which have moved locations or houses over the last couple of years. I note here, if you want to be working on your local listings, Google My Business is the interface you're going to be working in rather than Google Local, which was morphed into Google Plus, which has now apparently been unified into Google My Business.
2: Yeah, and you know what, you bring up a great point in this whole process because we keep chasing things around, right? And it's nice (laughs) that it's like all they need to do is just keep this one location exactly where it is and named the thing it is. And then they can start making changes. maybe that's why they're doing it because they're, you know, I'm looking up something, you know, Google Maps. Oh, no, I'm called Google Places. Like, whatever. (laughs) It's like they're changing the names and stuff. Now they can just give us one place to go access all of our business information. Um, You know, and and to me, I like anything that creates an environment where my instinct is to compare data, looking at my analytics and my insights and my, you know, uh, page all at the same time and sort of, oh, okay, you know, let's, you know, sort of combining bits of data that used to be in different places and going, how do these things tie together? Right, well, let's look at my traffic from my page, right? And just reminding us of, of what we should be looking at.
3: Well,
0: not just that. What's cool is you're doing it all in the same interface, you're having to jump from tab to tab or, you know, alt-tabbing between uh, between different programs you have running different, uh, uh, either on cloud or on your hard drive, or Linux and Google Webmaster Tools and then go back into, like, you know, Google Places or Google+. Plus. <laughs> Yeah. So, Google My Business, that's absolutely worth checking out. You know what, I, I, I talk about it, but it would be uncool not to mention, you did a follow-up on last week's interview with SpyFu CEO Mike Roberts. Um, earlier today, Dave, you published an article in Search Engine Watch on how to find link building opportunities in five steps using SpyFu's new backlink build. That is a backlink builder. Dude, that's a mouthful of a headline, <laughs> isn't it? Yeah, um, it is. If you can do this, if you can do this in like five easy steps, really quickly, um, because we, we got to get to this interview with uh, with Dominic White. Um, how do you how do you do that? Find the link building opportunities, easy as five, through.
2: You know what? As as it's Cole's notes, you enter the phrase you want to rank for. You enter the competitors who you want to look for. Uh, you know. Who are, who are sort of leaders who naturally would be linked to from the sites that, that you would want to find um, then you disclude yourself and all of these are in there, you disclude yourself from the results and as you're doing each of these stages, it's fine tuning the link so when you enter your query, it goes okay, let's look for any, you know, they use sort of a phrase match, anything related to you know, in my example for the article I used SEO blog, um, okay, anything related to that, so it could be, you know, Denver SEO blog or whatever um, those links will appear, okay, I just want the sites that link to these two okay great I don't want sites that already link to me. great it's fine tuning them and then you can actually select you know do I want other blogs do I want new sites do I want and all the time it's fine tuning this list um, I put some screenshots up so I guess anybody can uh, can take a peek at search engine on the articles up today so
0: indeed okay so for the record it's the 12th of June Check out SearchEngineWatch.com, um, check out SpyFu, and again, five easy steps, find some great backlinking opportunities. We've got to get to this, and there's a lot more I want to talk about. I know you want to rant about Uber valuations. Maybe we can do that in the World <laughs> Cup segment, eh? Um, okay, we've got, we got to jump into the interview. So, the world's changed to such a degree in the past two decades that kids born today could not function in the world that, that we grew up in. In many ways, you know, in many ways, I don't even function in the worlds that the kids are growing up in today. <laughs> a new documentary, Disconnected, is being released to the web on June the 3rd. The film, directed by Dominic H. White, explores how technology has shaped and changed our culture and our personal lives in the lifespan of a single generation. Now, though the title, and the and trust me, the title <laughs> sequence, are both really dark Dominic explores how our brains are wired to accept and adapt to change and through that rel- that adaptive ability might prompt our brains to change to evolve to meet the digi- new digital environments we increasingly live in. We interviewed Dominic H. last week for today's show. His film is being released to the web on June 3rd and uh, Brasco, we should, we should run the interview. Welcome back to WebCology on WebmasterRadio.fm It is the 12th of June 2014. This is Jim Hedger of Digital Always Meeting, He's joined as always by Dave Davies from Beanstalk SEO. And we're joined today by the director of a provocative um, and I gotta I gotta admit, for myself, somewhat discomforting new documentary. It's called Disconnected. We're joined by the writer and director, Dominic H. White. Disconnected is a, uh, a look at how technology over the last generation has not only changed the way we communicate with each other but changed the way we think about communication and in fact changed our culture I again, I can't say that the movie the, the the movie is a little discomforting probably because I live on the internet and I know it has changed me Dominic H White You've, um, you've, uh, you've, you've done something, uh, spectacular. You've made me uncomfortable. That's very difficult to do. Welcome to Webcology, and thank you for this film.
4: Oh, you're welcome. And, and I think to some degree, it, it, probably is going to make all of us comfortable, uncomfortable. Um, I think to some degree, it's, technology is pervasive and it's not going away. And so it's something that we have to figure out how we want to interact with. And I think in the documentary, one of the professors talks about, you know, the pendulum being all the way over to this side, where where we're we're communicating electronically, uh, you know, so much. And you know, one of the ideas is that that pendulum's going to swing back to the to the midpoint at some point where. You know, we will be doing face-to-face. We'll be doing electronics, but it won't be so much of a, the disparity that I think we we see today. So, so that's something that I think you know hopefully will will come in time. Well, you know, there's
0: there's that old joke. You uh, how do you know that techies at a party are engaged with each other? They're all texting to each other. How on do their you know? Phones. Yeah, you know, <laughs> the, the thumbs are moving. That's how you know. <laughs> now, within a generation, we've gone from having to have face-to-face conversations, having to actually engage and empathize with each other, to having these snippet-like conversations, often in um, what, you know, 20, 25 years ago would have mounted to code text. The, um, the opening segment, the f- opening three minutes of Disconnected, Takes us through, and this isn't this is a spoiler at all. I don't think, but it takes us through the um, very hyper-connected but seemingly isolated, frighteningly isolated morning of this, this 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 middle-aged man wakes up, checks his cell phone, checks his emails, engages with a few people using code talk, brushes his teeth while thinking while talking about his son's soccer practice, uh, drives to school. With a Bluetooth in his ear, listening to the radio, while his child bangs away on a video game, and they're all connected and they're all together, but they're all so alone. It was, it was it was it was almost uncomfortable to watch because that's us,
4: right? Right. And, and and that's the thing is I you know over the I think in the past even I, I think probably the, the last thing that made us uncomfortable was was the television. It, you know that was it, everybody was upset because it was like you know the the evil evil eye in your living room uh, you know the boob tube and it was going to do all these things to you. But even to that extent, especially back when there was only you know three networks, you still had to kind of come together in that living room with the family and watch the TV. And then probably after it was over, you, you talked about the show and what things were funny and things like that. But now, what's happening, with, especially with with mobile devices and and with text and things like that, it actually allows you to be in the room with somebody and actually not communicate with them. And and I think we've all been in that situation where, you know, you go out and you you know you you say you're going to meet a friend for for lunch, and the entire time that friend and, and maybe and maybe it's you, you're checking your text messages, or you're in the middle of a conversation and all of a sudden. Um, you know, so, oh, you know, hey, hold that thought for a second. I just need to check this. I just need to reply. And so I think that's the big difference now between anything that's, that's happened before, you know, any other, any other disruptive technologies that, that's come to this point is the fact that we can be with people now and actually not be engaged with them or, or just partially engaged where we're, there's, a, there's a surface understanding of, of maybe what they're telling us, but we're actually more interested and what's going on on our phone. And so I think
2: that's one of the big changes. So is it, uh, is it that this generation, and, and perhaps, you know, mine, I'm a little bit older than, uh, you know, than some of the people that, uh, that the movie was talking about, but... Um, Is there an inherent obligation, then, that people are feeling, which, as you point out with, say, television, um, you know, if I didn't watch a TV show, yeah, you know, my friends might go, well, you're not part of the conversation the next day at school because I missed an episode of Cheers and they're talking about it, but there was no inherent obligation that I was going to reply. Is there now an obligation? Um, on people that, you know, hey, I texted you, it's been five minutes, why didn't you text me back Well, I was in a movie? Well, you know, there you are, you should have anyway. Um, you know, is this something new and, and unique to, to the, the recent, you know, sort of enhancements in technology that, that we hadn't seen before?
4: Yeah, it, and that's, I think, one of the, one of the biggest things is, there, you know, the, the world that we live in now moves so quickly that people are expecting an instantaneous response. And, and we, we just go back and we think about, um, you know, snail mail. And snail mail, it's like you send a letter to, to a person. was going to take at least three, three to four days to get there, and then the response, and, you know. It, so it was, it was a long process. And then the email back up, now it's instantaneous. Um, but still, people were willing to, like, wait a day or two before they got that response back via email. But now with texting, you know, people expect you to respond back immediately. And and one of the things I think is is interesting is, again, if if you had, you know, and this is the positive and good thing about it, but but say there was some emotional thing that happened to, you know, somebody that you knew. Um, You usually wouldn't hear about that um, until you got home and that person called you. Or, you know, uh, or, you know, or, you know, for some reason, you know, they they can get a hold of you. they tell you what had happened. But now you can get work working, going about your normal day-to-day work, and all of a sudden you get this text that my grandmother had died. And now you're kind of forced to deal with that emotional, you know, that emotional weight right in the middle of work. Where before you would you would handle that in in a setting that was was more maybe possible for you to process that information when you're at home or when you when you're in downtime, and so that immediate nature of the technology now I think is one that's very interesting, and and especially when you when you think about the fact that a lot of the things that we do, you know, are really driven by emotion and. The technology that we're using now is very much devoid of being able to display that emotion in, in a way that, that you can digest. So if you're sitting face-to-face with somebody, you can tell by the expression on their face um, how they're feeling about what you're saying to them. Even when you're on the phone, um, you can tell by the person's, uh, you know, the stress in their voice how they're doing um, and how they're reacting to what you're saying. So with text messaging you don't have any of that and, and you know you can you can try to improve that by putting emoticons and things like that in but a lot of times that can just come at you very raw in a very raw sense and then you're placed in that position of having to decipher to build up from, from just those you know very very short set of words exactly what the emotional state of that person is and that's what I think is is dangerous and and it's something that we're going to have to, you know, because of the the is here, it's something we're going to have to learn is to make sure that, you know, if it's something simple and it's a simple communication, okay, yeah, we can send that. But if it's something more complicated and something more emotionally driven, we have to think about is this, is using this technology the the way we want to do this or is it better to do this face-to-face?
2: Well, and, and and these are some good, some great questions. Now we've we've chat about something I found really interesting while I was watching the movie, um, and we're talking right now a lot about um, you know sort of the the simplicity or, or you know of communications um, and the drawbacks there. Um, but something I found interesting and, and, a, and a unique takeaway, I'm, I think it was twenty eight percent was was the figure that was listed in the movie. But that people are, for example, more aggressive. People are more prone to fight. People aren't the same uh, because of that right. disconnect in, in personality. So that brings us to, a, to another problem to discuss is, are we even the people we think that we're communicating with? So as I'm communicating with somebody, is that them? And are we becoming desensitized or is this instinct to... You know, maybe be a little more aggressive than we would be in person. Almost a release valve that, that is new to us. And we have this release where we can get into an argument we might not have or say something we might not, um, you know, and, and, and have that outlet that didn't exist before because, you know, you wouldn't say it if you were facing the person, but you will say it, um, you know, in real life. Right. What are the challenges with now having to deal with a unique person who is different than the person you would see face to face?
4: And and that you know and that's a that's a great uh, great point, um, and I think one of the one of the places where where that's especially I think a, a problem is with with kids who are younger and they're they're developing socially um, because you know that's that's part of what you know growing up and going to school and dealing with, with kids and solving problems you know, prepares you for doing that stuff on the job and and, in the, and the, all the other experiences that you have in life. You know, at, at one point, all of us are going to have to go down and negotiate with the car salesman to, to buy a car, <laughs> you know. And so those different skills you build when you're in school is, is what helps you do those things later on. And so, you know, one of the one of the psychologists we talked to, he mentioned that, and it didn't actually make it into the documentary, but he said, you know, a lot of times people, uh, parents might see a, a child... Who is a little bit more, um, a little bit more withdrawn and shy. And they get on, you know, the social networks and they're very chatty and they talk and they can communicate with all these friends in a way that they can't in real life. And he says, but the problem is, is, is they end up hiding behind that, the screen. And, you know, invariably we all have to eventually go out into the real world. You know, eventually we're going to have to. And then they've never built those skills because of the fact that we're able to, to hide behind that. And so, so on, on the one hand, yes, it, it is great to, to be able to maybe say and do some things and, and do some exploration that you normally maybe wouldn't be able to do, um, and, and especially that I think they, there's some things with kids that they say, but there's some exploration they can do um, that maybe they wouldn't be able to do in, in the real world that, that is actually valuable. But then that social development is something that, you know, everybody needs to have, and you're not going to be able to get that if you're just communicating on these devices. One of
0: the premises, uh, Dominic, one of the premises of your film was uh, a juxtaposition of different generations. Generation X was very isolated, Um, uh, of which I'm a member, I'm I'm 45 years old, so I'm kind of like that crossover. I remember the the days before we had instant communication technology, and I remember exactly why I became an all-in adopter of instant communication technologies. Um, Now we have the millennial generation, a generation that mine has a very hard time understanding. We denigrate the millennial generation and they're hyper-connected. So, you know, we have all these we're, we're way cool slackers, the uh, Generation X group, you know, uh, to whom disengagement was a mark of cool. We have the millennials right, for whom engagement is everything. One generation, as you pointed out in the film, 1999, there was 6 billion people on Earth. 2011, 7 billion people on Earth. And in that time, in that short period of time, the way we think about ourselves and everyone around us has radically changed. Now, this brings me to my question. One of the things that, that, that one, of the, one of the points in your film, your film, uh, psychologist in your film made was that people are adaptable. But I'm wondering, what happens to people who don't remember
4: the old way?
0: What do they adapt to? And see, see
4: that, so, so that's, that's, I think, in progress of seeing what's going to happen, but so one concept is okay. Well, we're going to get used to this. We're going to get used to communicating, you know, in you know, in the shorthand uh, or being hyper hyper connected. We're going to get used to that, and to a certain degree, I, I think that's going to be the case. But there's some things that 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 shortcut is not. I, I don't think it's going to be possible to do. Huh. And the reason I say that is because it's like um, right now. When you when you get done with your laundry and you put it in the dryer, it takes that forty-five minutes to an hour to dry, no matter what. You know, and the dryers have gotten better and technology has gotten better, but it still takes that amount of time to, to do that. And the thought process, um, or in, you could even go to this extent, you could say, you know, a, a, a good bottle of wine or a good scotch, you know, single malt scotch, those things. Can't rush them. It, it just takes it takes years for them to develop that the flavor that they have. And so the human thought process, especially for for things that are more long term, is very much like that. There are things that we can make a decision on. We can go to an ice cream place and decide that we want, you know, pistachio ice cream and and, and uh, mint chocolate chip. It's no big deal. If we decide to do something else, it doesn't really matter. But more longer term, serious issues like you know where are you going in your life, you know. What kind of career do you want to have? You know, do you want to have two kids or do you have, want to have four kids? You know, those those longer term and more significant decisions that require deeper thought. Those are always going to require deeper thought because you can't make a snap decision to have six kids. You can't make a snap decision to decide, hey, I'm gonna I'm gonna go and I'm gonna move to the you know to the West Coast. You know, those are things that have implications to them and require more thought. And so right now, if we keep getting driven in this direction of just reacting, you know, reacting and making quick judgments, then you, you could set yourself up. Um, society could set, set themselves up for rash decisions, which, which we've seen throughout history aren't necessarily always good. The other thing, one of the neuroscientists we talked to, Um, which is very interesting research she had is is this concept of of developing morality and that is another thing that that requires um, an individual to actually put together a lot of different complex things that maybe they picked up during the course of their day so for instance if someone works at a nursing home and they're dealing with older people all the time you know they're driving home and then they don't have you know they're, they're not texting and they don't have the radio on and they begin to think about wow you know what I just dealt with this older woman today, and she was in pain. And you know what? I should call my mom because I haven't talked to her in a while. And so now you've made this—it's actually you've made this moral decision because you've kind of tossed around and and thought about this idea in your mind, and you connected with something that was unrelated, but similar. And so, again, if that person got into the car and turned on the radio, or if they immediately started texting, or immediately got on their Facebook, they're not going to think about their mom who's sitting at home who would appreciate the phone call from them. And so that's, I think, one of the more scarier things with the newer generations, with, with, um, you know, the Millennials and the Generation C. That's the thing that I'm actually more afraid of is, could we get to the point where we're actually raising a generation of, of sociopaths? And I know that's probably an exaggeration. But could we be raising a generation of kids who don't really care about, you know, the bigger and the moral things that make humans, you know, what we are as a species? So, so that's, that's what I think is, is one thing that, you know, yeah, we can do other things fast, but that, that thing, that development of, of empathy and, and of being a social creature like we are, we do need to devote the time to that.
0: Okay, but at the same time, we've seen uh, an example... Uh, the game Minecraft where groups of kids who spend all their time playing Minecraft will form, you know, protective rings around somebody whose uh, creation is being trashed by, you know, some Minecraft troll. Um, I remember a time when a high school friend wrote about the death of his mother on Facebook. And, you know, I I, I never actually knew his mother, but I felt legitimate empathy with the, with the fellow. Um, it, it, it does seem that there's relationships that are built through the social media and built through internet connection that, um, you know, for want of a better word, are real-world relationships that are, you know, um, are, are, are being experienced in, in the virtual world. Um, is there a, is there a huge difference between a real-world relationship and a virtual world relationship?
4: And see, see, we talk about that a little bit too, um, especially related to uh, the, the program that they have over at uh, the Institute of Creative Technologies, which they use. They, they actually form um, uh, a, a program in Second Life, which you know is, is a virtual world, where they can actually come in and, and you've got these veterans who... You know they're, they're spread out all over the country, and you know they have issues that they're going through that maybe in their hometown, if they're especially if they're in a small hometown, they there may not be anybody else who understands what they're going through. And because of the fact that now they can they can gather together into in this virtual uh, you know environment, they can actually relate with people who are going through the same things that, that they do. And so yes, that that I think is a is a powerful thing about about. Being in virtual worlds and, and having those opportunities to interact with people that we wouldn't we wouldn't have an opportunity to interact with if we were just in our in our own hometown. And again, you know, people who are in certain certain groups or demographics, you know, if, if, a, if a kid has Asperger's, for instance, they can probably find other kids on the internet and groups who have Asperger's who they can actually relate with and talk with. So, so I think what what we're, what we're experiencing now what we're going to see as far as we go is we're going to have these different tiers of relationships. We're going to have those virtual relationships that are going to do something for us. It's going to it's going to satisfy some aspect of our lives or, or some interest that we have. And then we're going to have, you know, our Facebook relationships, which is our old life maybe, you know, the, the, the kids, you know, the folks we went to college with and, and the, the kids we grew up with. And then we're going to have our, you know, face-to-face relationships, which is, you know, our family, our close friends. And so what it's, I think, become, or, or what we have to learn to do is figure out how to manage all of those so each one of them gets what is needed. And I think, right, what, what can often happen now is the face-to-face relationship can suffer because we're, because the online one requires so much upkeep and is and in some ways can be more immediate you know because you know they're yeah. waiting for that tech message to come back or they're waiting for it to log on to to, to, to play minecraft you know and and it's different than, than the family that's always there you know and, and we can tend to take for granted yeah yeah i get that
0: now um We're coming to the end of the segment and, you know, Dominic, it's funny, I I still feel like I'm on first questions because there's just so much, so much to dig into here. We're going to have to invite you back on the show again. Um, Would you liken the advent of the the Internet revolution, the Web 2.0 revolution to the um, social shakeup caused by, say, the Industrial Revolution or even by one of the Great Wars?
4: Yeah, I, I, I think so. I, I think this is the most, in some ways, this is the most significant thing, um, you know, as far as human communication goes in, in the history of humanity because, you know, the phone was probably the start of that. Um, and then, you know, because that allowed, you know, you could talk to someone who was across the country. And then the beginning of the Internet, also did that, you know, back in the you know the BBSs and and you know as you move move through and you know AOL and, and all those different things where you have the, the different um, boards and stuff you get on, but but right now I think I think for those things, with the exception the phone, you had to be kind of a techie to get into them. If you were on a bulletin board or if you were in one of those groups, it was it was you know it was a little bit of work. But but what's happened I think with Web two is it's made it fun and so now it's easy and so people can can end up getting sucked into those worlds um, and they can spend you know lots and lots and lots of time in there and again you could do that same thing with with the bulletin boards and the other the other technologies that came out but now it's something that's available to everybody and then we think about the mobile phone and, and the fact that the price has just dropped on mobile phones so a kid can have one. You know, uh, as someone in a third-world country can now buy a, um, a mobile phone or a smartphone, and they have access to, to um, the social media that's in their area. So it's pervasive, it's fun, and it's effortless, and it's ubiquitous. So, it's, it, so I think it's, it's to a degree that we've never seen before, and that's why I think it's, it's going to be so interesting to see what happens down the road. Well,
0: I think people um, need to actually get out and see the film, uh, Disconnected, became available on June the 3rd. How do people see the film? How, how,
4: how do they get to it? So it's available uh, on iTunes, and it's um, available across all of the major bod platforms. So if you are a gamer and you're on a PlayStation or Xbox, it's on there, um, it's on Voodoo, uh, it's uh, on just about every, every place you can imagine as far as bod goes.
0: Um, I've I, I got to ask, like, you're, the it's it's the internet technology and the mass communication technology that's distributing the film. Does that feel
4: a little bit weird at, at times? Yeah, it, it, it's it's actually it's actually pretty funny because um, you know all the you know all the outreach um, has been on Facebook. You know, I, I communicated with the um, the musicians who were in uh, Germany. Uh, you know, via various different means. You know, Skype. I have my my distributor in in um, uh, London for international. I I talk with him via Skype. So so it it is very interesting because I, and I think sometimes people think that this is like an anti technology, but it really isn't because because as I I think I said at the beginning, I love technology and I think you can do great things with it that you know you couldn't do before. It's just a case of us figuring out how to balance it out in our life. Well, Dominic H. White, writer
0: and director of Disconnected, which is available at pretty much any video-on-demand service. Um, Dominic H. White, thank you for joining us on Webcology today. You're welcome. Sit tight and don't move.
5: Webcology. We'll be back after this short break. You rely on your website to promote your business. And while you're busy doing what you love, you need a site that can keep up. GoDaddy web hosting is built from the ground up for lightning speed, reliability, and rock-solid performance. It includes over 150 free apps like WordPress and Drupal to build and manage your site. And with 99.9% uptime and industry-leading load times, you never have to worry if your site is up and running. Visit GoDaddy.com and enter code HOSTFM to get web hosting for $1 a month, plus a free domain. Some limitations apply. See website for details.
6: of the highly trained and skilled internet marketing ninjas. Disavow documents, reconsideration requests, Panda and Penguin penalties. Let our superior SEO ninjas confront all of your link-related issues. The internet marketing ninjas are equipped to master any marketing exercise. Content creation, authorship, link building, PPC, and more. Plus, build more buzz for your brand with our social media marketing strategy. Discover all that the internet marketing ninjas can do for you. Visit the online dojo now at InternetMarketingNinjas.com.
5: As a business owner, you labor for the love of it and you don't always have time to worry about your website. With GoDaddy Managed WordPress, you don't have to. Simply create your WordPress site or migrate an existing site. GoDaddy will handle the hosting, setup, backups, and security and keep your site running at blazing speed so you can share your passion with your customers online. Visit GoDaddy.com and enter code MANAGED to get managed WordPress for $1 a month plus a free domain. limitations apply. See website for details. Welcome
2: to SEO 101, your introductory course on search engine optimization. So, turn on your computers, open your minds,
7: grab your mouse, and get ready to get back to the basics. SEO 101. On demand anytime inside the search engine optimization channel only on webmasterradio.fm.
2: Commercial's off. Now
0: back to Webcology
6: only on webmasterradio.fm. Here are the host, Jim Hedger and Dave Dee
4: que lo perdió Raizi y, y ahora de contragolpe Donovan, se le va larga Donovan, la quiere por derecha Altidor, al área viene, y la cita por el arquero ¡Donovan!
3: ¡Gol! ¡Gol!
6: chicharito, el chicharito, 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 ahí, ahí la tiene Torrado, Torrado la juega por abajo, el arquero sale, la tiene Guío, no hay arquero, no hay arquero,
7: no hay arquero, no hay arquero,
0: Everyone, welcome back to show Webmaster Radio, and everyone out there is going to have a smile on their face after that. You can't hear some guy yell, GOOOOOOOL!
4: That's smiling,
0: because that hour and a half from now, Brazil versus Croatia, and Rio de Janeiro World Cup begins, and uh, you know what? As of now, for the next three weeks, there really ain't much else to talk about, so we have... Simon Hazeltine from AOL, Tom Craver from Internet Marketing Ninjas, and Eric Lander from D50 Media. These three guys are soccer fanatics, football fanatics. So I figured, you know, (laughs) who best to, you know, come in and talk the beautiful game with uh, Dave and I because Dave and I don't really know much about football because we're Canadians and um, (laughs) it just never happens for us. Simon, Eric, Tom, welcome to Webcology. Gentlemen. Thanks for having us.
1: Thank you. If, uh, Happy to be here. if
0: this show was scheduled two hours from now, would I be able to get you on the air? Absolutely not. Not a chance. Nope.
3: <laughs> <laughs> and it's I can just say, Jim, re- re- referring to Andreas Cantor as some guy. I don't know.
0: <laughs> well, and that's you see, and this is my problem. I, I truly don't know. If it was hockey, I could tell you anything. Um they, they, we don't play soccer up here so much because the ball keeps skidding around on the ice, um, <laughs> and you're not allowed to body check, right? Like you keep, they 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 keep putting they they keep whistling at us whenever we hit people. So, um, okay, guys, tell me about the World Cup. Tell me about the World Cup online. Who you're supporting? Why you're supporting them? And um, what you're looking forward to? Simon, um, I, I, are you supporting
3: England? Might be of course, a dumb question. Too. I mean, come on, with the accent. Excellent. I mean, how how could I not? <laughs> um, yeah, but 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 I am a, you know a, a typical England fan in that um, I hold out no hope for us to do anything spectacular whatsoever. <laughs> I, I, I,
1: I have, I, well, at least you have reasonable expectations, okay?
3: Well, I, I, I have hopes that things are going to happen for us, but I I, I recognise that um, it's most likely that we will at best, scrape through. We'll have something lucky happen for us or something very unlucky happen against us, and it's just going to uh, fall apart. What, what I'm looking and forward to, I mean, it, it's the whole spectacle. Uh, you know, it, at, it, it's everything that's going to be happening.
0: At 6 p.m. on Saturday, England is playing Italy in the only game that I think would be made better if they had Yakety Sax playing in the background.
3: Now well, the interesting thing about that game as well is it's being played in Manaus in the middle of the Amazon rainforest. They've built this huge stadium at a cost of, I think, about $250 million, and there's not going to be anybody that can use it afterwards. It's going to be this huge white elephant in the middle of the Amazon. They've had to ship everything in there because there's no roads to get to this actual stadium. Well, I mean, that was something I
0: wanted to jump, jump to in a second. Like, um, the social situation in Brazil right now is um, somewhere to the left of crazy. There was a million people rioting in the streets today um, on the way to the opening ceremony.
3: Well, absolutely. I mean, yeah, I mean, and, and this same thing happened last year during the Confederations Cup. And they thought that that you know they would get all the teething out of the way, they'd get all the social issues taken out of care of. But there's been so many problems over there. I mean, the, the, some of the stadiums still aren't finished. The the <laughs> field in Manaus looks like something that oh, it, it, it's just absolutely terrible. I mean, it, it's not really so much grass as painted green. Yeah, okay, okay all so green how? Spray
1: paint. Like, how you is
0: how will conditions in Brazil affect the World Cup? How will, how, how will it affect the game that we saw
3: four years ago in South Africa? Well, I mean, that's the thing. They, they hope that um, they'll be, uh, the, the European teams have been preparing for it. They, they, you know, like England has been over playing a few games in Miami to get used to the heat. And, of course, the first day they arrived, um, there was a huge thunderstorm, so they didn't get to play outside uh but you know they, they've been trying to train for the, they they went to the algarve and wore like three layers of clothing so they could get used to playing in some kind of heat and of course you know it's, it's going to be the same for all the european nations they're not used to playing in temperature for that kind of, of the humidity that they're going to have down there uh, so it's, it's really going to be interesting to see how the games play out at the longer they go on
0: undoubtedly
3: um eric who are you supporting yeah, I hope it's
0: no
7: surprise, but obviously the United States.
0: Earlier today, the United States coach came out and said, "We don't really have a hope in hell."
7: Did he not? <laughs> I mean, so, so here's here's the awkward thing, right? As a fan, you have to be optimistic. It happens every four years. To some of us, it's certainly three or four times more significant than the Olympics. So you, you're you're kind of all in at this point. Um, but there's also sort of like this blind patriotism where. You're dedicated to your team, but if you take a look at what you're up against, you have to realize that, yeah, there, I mean, there's pretty much no opportunity for the United States to do anything meaningful here. I think, as Simon said, with England, we'll be lucky to scrape by, but come on, we've got Germany and Portugal in our group. Group G is what is affectionately known as the group of death, and I know now there's considered two. Um, it, it's not a good situation for us, but I think overall, the country is beginning to embrace the game more. Um, Time-wise, you know, a lot of folks are going to be tuning in just because, you know, the time zones work out well for the United States viewers. So I think that there's a good opportunity to grow the game and kind of grow the recognition. Um, but I, I kind of wish that Klinsman wasn't so uh, transparent with sort of his own expectations. But um, can
0: on just Monday, enter, oh, On Monday, you guys got a good uh, match. You're playing Ghana at 6 p.m.
7: Yeah, and, and I mean... You know, relatively speaking, the same thing as Simon alluded to, uh, you know, the England team playing Miami, the United States played the three-game, um, you know, you kind of warm-up or tune-up going into the World Cup. I mean, weather, humidity shouldn't be so much of an issue. They're playing in northern Brazil. Humidity is only you know, 50-odd percent on average. Temperatures, especially later in the day, are probably going to drop below 80. So I think we'll be in good shape conditions-wise. Um, and thankfully – we're kind of you know we're benefiting from the stadium that we're in. I, I believe that they're playing at uh, the stadium in Natal, which is if you take a look. I mean, Brazil has dumped billions into making this happen, which is why there's such a social um, anxiety built up around this. You know, down there. Um, but the stadium itself is actually one of the cooler looking stadiums. I think they have long term plans for it. They put a lot of money in it, and it's relatively stable. So it'll be a good primer for us, but it doesn't mean that, that things are going to go well long-term. I mean, Ghana is probably our best opportunity to win a game, and if you don't win at least two games in the group stage, you have no chance of moving on. So it's it's an uphill battle.
6: I'm a little more glass half-full about that, only because I just think, regardless of what, what changed the, you know, during the off season, the fact of the matter is that, you know, the U.S. coaches and the, and the team decided they need to go and go with a younger team. They need to be thinking ahead. So I think... I just got a feeling that these kids are going to overachieve this year and they might be able to pull an upset or two and, you know, make a good promising uh, run at it. I mean, they're not going to go far, but at least. I think they'll put themselves on the map. The thing is, it still comes down to it's only been about 20, 25 years ago that, you know, you started seeing soccer really get more into prominence. You know, they got now the Major League Soccer. You got kids that are wanting to go and play more. You know, soccer for youth is much more rampant than ever was before. I think the, the, just the future uh, of soccer is going to be good for America, but it's still trying to catch up with everyone else that's had so many years and it's the, is the major sport that every you know country falls, and that is their, their major sport.
1: Yeah, one of the things to... I'm sorry. Sorry.
3: Go ahead, Tom. No, Simon, go ahead, you take it. I'm, I'm just going to point out that uh, Ghana is also the U.S.'s bogey team. They've knocked the U.S. out in the last two World Cups. Right.
1: Yeah, we seem to have a problem getting over them. But, Brasco, I'm going to key in on, on something you just said. You know, most people don't realize that, Youth soccer has been prevalent in America for a long time, and it's for for many, many years outranked baseball and football and everything else. Everybody, and you know, we joke around about soccer moms and minivans and that kind of stuff, but it's true. Everybody as a youth plays soccer, and once they get you know middle school, high school, all of a sudden they get recruited to other teams. You know, the football team, the baseball team, the basketball team, and then everybody forgets how much fun they had playing soccer. So yes, there is a grassroots with the kids and, and the youth of today. But and you know I you know I I lived in Rochester for years and years, um, which was the home of of little guy soccer. It was the very first organized youth soccer league you know in America, and it's recognized. As such, but you know it still doesn't catch on. You know, once they get into the high school years.
2: Now, Tom, I, I, I've got to ask. We we heard from Simon. We heard from Eric. We know we know their team selection. Now, I'm going to assume that um, the. You're you're going with the patriotism that uh, that all football fans seem to. Um, that, that your your first choice is United States, but I, I have to ask, when you're looking as as the three uh, three people I'm chatting with here right now are, um, when you're going for teams who are likely to not maybe make it as far as you might hope. Um, what do you do? Like, clearly, you're huge fans, all three of you. And I'll direct it at Tom first, but I'd love to hear from all three of you. What do you do when your team gets knocked out? How do you How do you pick next? I know, uh, you know, when it's watching hockey, I pick the team closest to me. But, but, what do you do in uh, in soccer? <laughs>
1: Um, you know'm I'm, I'm Italian almost hundred percent all the way through and through. Um, most of the people who know me know that I'm a Juventus fan, which is an Italian side and half of the Italian team is is Juventus players. So you know Italy's my my second side and if I ever came down to Italy versus USA, I, I, I'll take the states of course. but uh, Italy's my my other team who seems to you know usually you know I'll dig this at Simon usually seems to upset England pretty pretty handedly in the World Cup.
3: Yeah, I mean Italy are usually a great team, uh, although I think they're aging a little bit. Um, mm. Yeah, and, and the, the way I go about, I, I just basically want to see a good game. I want to see some really good flowing football. I mean, there are teams I don't like, but if they play really well, I will absolutely appreciate that. That said, you know I don't want the Argentinians to win. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I get the fe- but I get the feeling that they're going still? to um I, I get the feeling that yes still I get the feeling that um Brazil might just slip up on home soil I think the expectation might be too much for them
2: oh, so it's it's sounding a lot like um, voting in current elections it, it may come down to i I want Argentina to lose so really anybody right <laughs> anybody but the person
7: I don't like. Well, how about you, Eric? Where, where are you going as your second pick? You know, second pick for me is, is oddly enough, going to be Portugal, which is probably, you know, if the U.S. were to advance, it's probably going to be coming at the expense of Portugal, um, or vice versa. So I, I've got, you know, Portuguese heritage in me. I've got Portuguese blood. I want to root for that. Um, but the reality is that the, Portu- you know, the Portuguese team, without Cristiano Ronaldo, is not going to do anything. And, and if he's injured, then they're probably not going to move on. Um, not going to be wild either, you know, either, is it? I mean, my my kind of final thought on on where I want to see this go is ultimately, like, you know, we talked before about the United States sort of embracing the game. Regardless of how the U.S. does, I hope that the media coverage is significant enough that people pay more attention. And and if Klinsman's right, this is a long-term investment to see the team improve, and in four or eight years, you know, they'll be dominant. Then hopefully this is a primer to kind of tune people in even further than they already have.
0: Okay, we are rapidly running out of time. We're going to be on penalty time really soon. So uh, last question, (laughs) how do folks watch the games online? Uh, If if you're in the States, can you watch the games online?
1: If you subscribe to to a cable or satellite provider, you can use their apps to to uh, To watch the games using the MySPN app or DirecTV who doesn't subscribe to that or doesn't have that in their contract. They have their own app and you have to watch it on the Univision stream but um, for the most part you know, the U.S. is all about making the money so you know you have to pay some subscription company to, to get access to that.
0: Yeah, but three weeks of the beautiful game it's got to be worth it. Uh, in Canada all you have to do is pay your taxes. It's on cbc.ca every game is going to be live streamed on cbc.ca and um, Guys, we're out of time. So if you're in Canada, watch the games online. If you're in America, get a proxy server and uh, watch the games at cbc.ca. <laughs> if you're in Canada and you live in Ontario, go vote. Today's an election day. Go vote and then watch the games at cbc.ca. Um, that's, we're on penalty time. Tom Craver, Simon Heseltine, Eric Lander, thank you so much for joining us on Webcology. Friends, you've been listening to Webcology, the world, the world, the one world, two cups edition. Um, you can hear Webcology at Webmaster Radio. fm every Thursday at 2 p.m. Eastern, 11, 11 a.m. Pacific. You can uh, listen to us on iTunes and the podcast and distribution service. Stay tuned. we got more great stuff coming up after the news.